Welcome to SBC This Week. I'm Brandon Porter along with Laura Erlinson, and we are both glad that you are with us. Hi, Brandon. Hi we there, are Laura. not together once again this week. We are we're not. Away. Yeah. No, we're, we're leaning on the technology to span the miles. That's right. Where are you today? I'm in Idaho Falls, Idaho. That's, that is far away from me in Tennessee. And about 50 degrees chillier. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Is there yeah. snow on the ground? There was a little snow on the ground um, when I got in on Thursday night here in Idaho. Well, um, and you're speaking at their annual meeting today, right? The U- Utah, Idaho. I am. The, on Friday afternoon, the opportunity yeah. to, to share and to celebrate with uh, Southern Baptist here in Utah and Idaho um, about the Lord's faithfulness through their great partnership um, and, and the work through the cooperative program. And so excited to be with them uh, later awesome. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot in this podcast, and so we want to jump into it. We're glad that, that you're listening with us. Uh, we're going to hear from Jared Wellman a little later um, in the podcast. He's going to give us an update on the work of the cooperation group. First, though, we want to tell you about our presenting sponsor, and that's Subsplash. If you're a pastor who wants to engage with your congregation and build connections beyond weekend services, Subsplash can help. Subsplash allows your community to access messages, resources, and even give from one place, helping congregations connect in ways you never could have before. Learn more at subsplash.com forward slash SBC. When you use that link, you'll get a special discount, but you have to use the link. Again, it's subsplash.com forward slash SBC. So, Laura, we're thankful to Subsplash and their sponsorship of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, right out of the gate, we want to talk about big news um, that's related to the SBC with connections in Washington, D.C. That's right. So, uh, after several weeks of not having a Speaker of the House, we now have one. Uh, Mike Johnson mm-hmm. is the new Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, and he is a Southern Baptist from Louisiana. He is. We're beginning to wonder, were we ever going to have a Speaker of the House again? But we do. <laughs> we were. And as of this week, um, it might have been a surprising move to some people. He seems mm-hmm. uh, maybe wasn't a real high profile guy, um, maybe hadn't heard of him before or didn't know much about him anyway, but he was elected on October 25th as a Speaker of the House. Now, he is not just a Southern Baptist. He's actually served in SBC life. Yeah. He was an ERLC trustee. From mm-hmm. 2004 to 2012, so a mm-hmm. long tenure there at the ERLC. Brent Leatherwood, who's the president of ERLC now, told Baptist Press that Johnson was one of the first people he met with after he became president of ERLC wow. in his first meeting on Capitol Hill. Um, and he said that he was very impressed with his abiding devotion to our convention of churches, mm-hmm. so that he he's very much aware of Southern Baptist life and very much involved. Uh, he's a member of Cypress Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana. Yeah. Ron Freem is the pastor there, and he told Baptist Press in the story this week that Johnson is the real deal and yeah. that God's hand is on him. And you know, and, some uh, sometimes when we say things like that about he told Baptist Press, yeah, really, he told me that. Um, I had the opportunity right, to talk to you. Because you wrote that story. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, and I had the opportunity to talk to, to Pastor Freem, and he was very excited about Mike Johnson uh, filling that role and the opportunity that the Lord had laid in front of him. And, and that's um, awesome. Yeah. Just had great. Great confidence, um, certainly in the Lord, but also in Mike Johnson in that in that role. So. Yeah, and I had to think. Surely, being a Southern Baptist has prepared him a little bit 
for yeah. this role, right? <laughs> yeah, because right. I mean, he's used this business meeting only has like 435 people and he's yeah. used to a business meeting with 10 times or 20 times that amount of people. So, you know, no big deal. Yeah. He probably memorized Robert's rules of order when he was a teenager. Absolutely. So, There's going to be a great increase in calling the question. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's going to get issued bright colored ballots. I think all the Congress people and <laughs> That's he's going to bring Don Currents in to run interference for him. And well, he is the mayor of Ozark, Missouri. You That's know? right. So, bring in the mayor to help you out. I think right. the House of Representatives is a piece, a piece of cake for, yeah. for Mike Johnson. Yeah, so. Absolutely. So great, great news um, for uh, Mike Johnson. Great news for Louisiana Baptist. We heard from Steve Horn. He was really excited about that opportunity um, that, that Representative Johnson has there. And then uh, certainly uh, the folks there at Cypress Baptist. And so that's right. So, so we're, be we're in prayer for, for him. him. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, some other news we had, Laura, uh, of kind of a legal flavor this week. We had an amicus brief that was filed with the Kentucky Supreme Court. It caused uh, a swarm of controversy uh, within the SBC this week. It was reported on Wednesday by the Louisville Courier Journal. Uh, the facts in the in the case um, are just awful. Samantha Killery was uh, adopted by a man named Sean Jackman, who was a Louisville police officer. Jackman then sexually abused Killery for years, and no one is disputing the vile nature of the crime or Killery's right to hold her abuser to account. But but the argument that's being made in the brief has to do with non-perpetrator third parties, mm-hmm. um, as, as the Louisville Metro Police are named in the other case. Uh, the brief was signed on to by the SBC, the SBC Executive Committee, Lifeway Christian Resources and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. In a paragraph in our Baptist Press story, it says, those parties, the brief said, have a strong interest in the statute of limitations issue presented in this appeal due to their being named in a separate civil action pending in a Kentucky circuit court that involves allegations of childhood sexual abuse dating back to 2003. Um, As we record this on Friday morning, Um, October the 27th, the facts are still developing in this story. And of course, BP is going to continue to to cover this story along the way. So uh, we just encourage you to follow that at Baptist Press. Uh, Another story in Baptist Press this week is uh, maybe a little bit unprecedented. We couldn't find any uh, evidence that this has happened before. So most of you might know that one of the most important jobs that the SBC president has is to fill four committees that are pretty crucial to Southern Baptist life. Mm-hmm. The Committee on Committees, the Registration Committee, the Tellers Committee, and the Resolutions Committee. And Bart Barber, who's our current SBC president, created a portal for Southern Baptists to nominate people for those committees. He actually created a Google form. It's online. You can cl- uh, click on the link there in the Baptist Press story and fill out the form to nominate someone that you think would make a good person to serve on one of these four committees. And uh, to our knowledge and, uh, and to uh, Bart Barber's knowledge, um, this is the first time that this has ever happened before, that he's ever that the SBC president has ever sought nominations in this way, in sort of a broad way like this. Barber told Baptist Press that he is all about broad-based involvement of Southern Baptists. And this is his uh, one of his ways to do that. And so go to that Baptist Press story. You can find the link there to the Google form, fill it out. You can nominate someone at your church or someone that you know that you think might be good to serve on one of these committees. These are very important jobs. And um, the more input we have from the more varied voices in Southern Baptist life, 
the better. Very good. Very good. We also heard some great news today or this week out of Midwestern Seminary. Uh, mm-hmm. Residential master students admitted into Midwestern Seminary for the church cohorts will receive a 100% tuition scholarship for the first year of their master's degree beginning in the fall of 2024, Laura. Big, big yeah, deal. Yeah, something else that I think may be unprecedented mm-hmm. in Southern Baptist life. I don't remember a seminary ever doing this before. Um, it includes tuition costs for up to 18 credit hours of residential or practicum courses and a $3,000 scholarship to cover a portion of overseas costs if they're in one of the groups that has to go overseas for various things. And so uh, it's a pretty big deal. I don't remember this ever happening before. And uh, the cohorts are first-year graduate-level students, and there are several different cohorts for different uh, areas, mm-hmm. including biblical counseling, counseling, uh, women in scholarship, biblical studies, theological studies, and several others. Yeah, very so exciting. Pretty amazing uh, opportunity there at Midwestern Seminary. Yeah, great news. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that out. It's okay. I think I'm <laughs> I've had now. to do it too. Yeah. <clears throat> There's just, I don't have a mute. So I just was trying to hold on to it. So, all right. So, Laura, we also have some news of transition happening. We've known mm-hmm. this was coming for quite a while, but mm-hmm. but it, it officially happened this last week in Missouri, where John Yates, um, who had been the executive director there of the Missouri Baptist Convention since 2011, uh, gave his final address to the Missouri Baptist. And so a very, very special week there for uh, the Yates family and for Missouri Baptists. That's right. And he's well-known in Southern Baptist life outside of Missouri, for sure, um, just for his role as the SBC's recording secretary for 25 years. I mean, yeah, as 25 of last years. year, that until, until last year when he yeah. uh, resigned that role. And his address to Missouri Baptists, of course, was very moving, um, very powerful. I would encourage you to go watch it. It isn't very long. Mm. In fact, he gave a word count before he started. He's, I think he said, I have 645 words or something <laughs> like that. I may be getting it wrong, but it was yeah. something. And uh, and it was very short, but very powerful. He said that we're every day we're surrounded by hurting people, but we know from the word of God that this is the fertile soil where God delights to do a new thing. In our brokenness and our insufficiency, our amazing God has ways of showing himself so mightily. All the power of Almighty God is ours in our time of need. Hmm. And it was very poignant because he talked about, of course, if you've, if you've been reading about him lately, you know about the, uh, his wife Sharon's cancer journey. Mm-hmm. And so he referred to that and how just the Lord has been very near to them during this time. And it was it was really uh, a powerful address to yeah. Missouri Baptists. Yeah, yeah, very good. So like Laura said, if you have a moment, go go find that. It's it's on their Facebook page. It's on the Missouri Baptist Convention Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it is it is worth your investment of a few minutes to listen to him uh share those those insights. Um some good news out of Lifeway this week for the fifth mm-hmm. year in a row. The Lifeway website was named as one of Newsweek's best online shops. That's right. They were number two this mm-hmm. year. Pretty big yeah. deal. Uh Ben Mandrell, the uh president there at Lifeway, he said that uh, the there are those in those uh, in the Lifeway organization that are constantly looking to improve the website and listening to customers and their experiences and how can we make this a better experience. And he praised uh, the contributors there at Lifeway for all that they've done to make that website what it is now and just how user friendly it is and how attractive it is. And um, so he said, but they're always listening and looking for more customer feedback to make it even better. 
yeah, awesome. So go to lifeway.com and leave some feedback on ways they can improve and maybe they'll bump up even maybe to they'll that, be number, number one. one. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So number two ain't too shabby though. So that's no. very good. Very encouraging. Um, other news out of Lifeway, uh, the announcement of the retirement of Bill Craig, the senior vice president of publishing and ministry experiences. Um, he's been there 35 years. Um, so long history with Southern Baptist mm-hmm. through his ministry at Lifeway. Yeah, when I read this story that Lifeway sent us uh, this week, I was kind of stunned to read all of the projects that he has been involved in, which include Bible Studies for Life, Masterwork, The Gospel Project, and Hi-Fi, which Mm. is the newest Mm -hmm. next-gen curriculum there at Lifeway. So you may not know the name Bill Craig, but if you go to a Southern Baptist church, you have likely encountered something that he has helped produce. So pretty, pretty... uh, uh, very impactful career that he had there for 35 years. Yeah, I was reading about, um, you know, back in the 90s, he had a strong hand in the development and leadership of faith, which was an evangelism mm-hmm. resource tool. Yeah, kind of, we did that it, in my church. We yeah. we did too. Yeah, I was trained in it. And uh, we we every Tuesday night, we would go out mm-hmm. at Bernie Points Baptist Church in Birmingham. and That's right. Uh, same yep, every yep, Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, go, go knock on doors. It was a lot like evangelism explosion mm-hmm. where, where you had some questions and a survey and, um, a lot, a lot of fruit from that. Um, so, so very, very uh, thankful to him for his great work there. Uh, Laura, this next story, you know, um, I have never been to the cove and that, that is where this story is anchored out of is in the cove, the Billy Graham. I haven't either. I've always wanted to, yeah. it is on the list and, yeah. and, and, and boy, there are some great events that happen at the cove and I, I would love to go and be a part of that. And so here is a great event that happened just a few weeks ago, uh, sponsored by NAM. And then also NAF, the North African, uh, the National African American uh, Fellowship, and so um, they they had their very first refresh retreat there, um, aimed uh, at coming alongside helping Black Southern Baptist pastors leaders. Um, there was more than two hundred folks attended that training, and and just that that time of refreshment and renewal at at the Cove. Yeah, more than 200 people. It was a capacity crowd yeah. there for the, fir- the very first refresh retreat. Mm. And J.J. Washington is the National Director of Personal Evangelism at NAM, and he helped recruit uh, pastors to attend the event. And he told Baptist Press that he was so thankful for the cooperative program and just for the, uh, the money that allows them to do retreats like this for pastors and for their wives. Uh, pastors' wives also had specific speakers for them and breakout sessions for them. One of the pastors uh, that attended, we uh, we interviewed him for our mm-hmm. Baptist Press story about the event, Charles Owusu. Mm-hmm. He's the founding pastor of the Ghanaian Majority Word of Life Baptist Church in mm-hmm. Lithia Springs, Georgia. Okay. He attended and he said that the word of God he heard shared at the event was life-giving and life-transforming. That's great. And so as we kind of wrap up October, which is CP Emphasis Month here in the SBC, um, it's good to be reminded about the things that that the cooperative program does, in addition to, of course, uh, paying for seminarians to be educated and paying for missionaries to go to the mission field and all of those things. It also sometimes allows for pastors in a really hard, hard job to just come and be refreshed. Yeah. And this was a really encouraging story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're also continually encouraged by the work of Send Relief. Uh, when it comes to helping those who are in desperate need of refreshment themselves in Ukraine and in the Middle East. And uh, so we know that that work in Ukraine continues there. Uh, but Laura, too, in, in Gaza, 
through local Christian partners. Uh, Cinderleaf is helping to provide housing, food, medical supplies, bomb shelters, and trauma counseling. Uh, the story that we heard this week from them was that they have helped 20,000 displaced and hurting people in Israel and in that surrounding region. That's that's encouraging for us to know that that Cinderleaf, that that compassion ministry arm of the SBC through the partnership with the IMB and with NAM, Laura, 20,000 mm-hmm. people being cared for in a very dangerous place. Yeah. Uh, one uh, representative there, a Baptist representative who we can't name for security mm-hmm. reasons, but he said, this is a quote, from the outset, it was obvious that there was going to be incredible need and Baptists are known to respond when needs arise. Yeah, We are going to respond just like we would respond anywhere else in the world. And so once again, your generous generous giving makes this kind of ministry possible. You can give directly toward the Send Relief efforts there in Gaza at sendrelief.org. There's also a video from International Vice President of Send Relief, Jason Cox, mm-hmm. sort of giving an update on the uh, on the situation. I'm planning to use that video this Sunday, in fact, in our worship service. So you might yeah. want to do that too um, there at sendrelief.org. Very good. Very good. Well, speaking of this Sunday, Sunday, October the 29th is Student Baptism Sunday in the SBC. We've got a, a great story there in Baptist Press about that, about um, just just the importance and and the opportunity that, that we have in, in student ministry uh, to, to reach students with the gospel. Yeah, there seems to be a movement of God right now mm-hmm. among young people in the United States, which is very encouraging. We've seen we've had a lot of stories about it in Baptist Press. Um, but this story uh, was was fun. It, it features a father and son and a son who thought, I will never be a youth pastor because that's what my dad is. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And of course, now he's a youth pastor because that's how God God works. But yeah. um, he said, uh, Jay Barbier uh, said he would drive around and practice his sermons on his son, Caleb. And uh, Caleb would say, no, dad, that's cheesy or no, you should say it this way or whatever. And so he was sort of his his dad's sounding board. Well, now Jay is the youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, and mm. Caleb is the student pastor at Springfield Baptist Church, also here in Tennessee. Yeah, awesome. And they both just talked about how important it is to reach young people for Christ. And um, it's a pretty, it's a fun, fun story in BP yeah. this week. Yeah, very good. So make sure you check that out. You'll find some inspiration there and motivation for continuing to share the gospel and reach out to students um, as you do that. Well, we are grateful to Jared Wellman for taking some time to give us an update with the cooperation group in just a second he's going to join us and we'll hear from him jared thanks for joining us on sbc this week yeah i'm glad to be here so um in the last couple of weeks we've had a survey to come out from the cooperation group Um, we, we know you guys are working from the updates at your website um talk to us a little bit about that survey what kind of responses um are you getting to that yeah, so I uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak on this. We are getting a plethora of uh, responses. It's uh, the consensus has has been real positive and overwhelming. And uh, I, you know, we have the the website coopgroupupdates.com, and uh, we've had people reach out through that um, with uh, just encouraging thoughts and and other people who just know um, my email address from the church or when I've given it out in the past who've emailed and. Um, stated their appreciation for that. And and then on other groups that I'm a part of, like on Facebook, I've seen people responding. And and I think the overwhelming uh, response that I have seen is appreciation. 
uh, for people to be able to speak into this process. Uh, I just received word uh, a day or two ago that we have had uh, already 1,900 responses uh, to the survey, which I think is really good. And uh, and then there were others, uh, ironically, including myself, who didn't get the survey for whatever reason. And so I actually had to, to reach out and say, hey, can we update our information so that I can also uh, respond to this uh, survey? And um, but uh, so, yeah, we, we expect it to continue to grow as uh, other churches and, and church leaders are are receiving it. And so just for that uh, email address, if you can share that with us real quick, if someone's listening and they didn't receive it at their church. Yeah. So uh, Lifeway Research has has developed and helped us with uh, with the survey. And so the uh, the email address is research at lifeway.com. And so, you know, the background was uh, the president, uh, Bart, um, when we were talking about this, he had floated this idea. And uh, and so he said, let's just connect with the experts. And so uh, we did with them and, and they helped develop this. And so uh, research at lifeway.com, if you have not received the survey, um, it's really simple. And I, like I said, I went through this process. I emailed them and they were very quick to respond and uh, gave me the link to update my information. And then a day later, I received the survey in my in my inbox. Okay, fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about the 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 committee, how how it's going um and, and their meetings and and just just the process. Yeah, so uh, we're hard at work. Um, it's a great group. Uh, that Bart has put together, uh, very diverse. It's just like the motion requested. And so we have lots of thoughts right now and perspectives uh, being shared. And we are in our research phase. So everything we're doing right now um, and we're meeting often is uh, a lot of reading, um, a lot of meeting. And so we, as we had notated in our uh, original update, uh, we are in, uh, in subgroups. And, um, and so primarily there are a couple of subgroups and one is focusing on the Article 3 and Baptist Faith and Message uh, component. And the other subgroup is focusing on Bylaw 8 and the Credentials Committee. So if you look at those documents, Bylaw 8 references the Credentials Committee, which has been updated recently, and uh, Article 3 and Baptist Faith and Message obviously uh, point back to one another. The Article uh, Article 3 points to the Baptist Faith and Message. So um, a lot of uh, research right now, um, and uh, that's going really well. And so the group has has expressed in these meetings uh, how how just grateful they are for uh, the opportunity to to wrap their minds around everything that has happened historically to bring us uh, to this moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's going really well. Can I put you on the spot? And um, you talk about the research phase, maybe something that that you have learned uh, through this process. Yeah, so a uh, good question. Um, you know, I uh, because of the seat that I had in the last year, um, and really the seat that I had for the last uh, nearly a decade in the convention uh, on the executive committee, uh, I was able and have been able to see all of this. I've had a front row seat to how the convention has has been shifting, and and so when I came on the year. This is a kind of an interesting story. So the year I came on, uh, Ernest Easley had been the chairman the year before. Now, Ernest and I uh, know one another because he had pastored First Baptist Church Odessa uh, in Texas. And um, now he had left Odessa when I ended up going to Odessa to pastor oh. uh, a church there. 
but he was kind of a local legend in that area. And, uh, and so we had church members who knew him. And so I reached out to him and I, I was, uh, you know, a lot younger than I am now. And, and he became a friend and a mentor to me. And we even would fly him down to, uh, to speak and preach evangelism conferences and such there in the area. And so, uh, he, uh, I remember the first meeting at the convention, the executive committee meets twice in Nashville and then once wherever the convention is the day before. And, uh, and he came in and sat next to me and, and I said, Hey, what are you doing here? And he said, well, you know, this is the first time I've not been part of one of these. Now I bring all that up because Ernest, uh, was the chairman over the executive committee when some significant changes happened in the articles of our Mm. constitution, uh, that, that have kind of helped us get to the moment that we're in or led us to the moment that we're in. And so Ernest and I, as I ultimately became the chairman towards my, the end of my tenure on the EC, um, I've had a front row seat, not only to seeing how these things, how the after effects of, of that language happened, but then inheriting that as the chairman through some pretty historic things. So I, I, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily learned anything knew so much as I'm just having it reiterated because I've already had the pleasure and privilege of of being able to learn it. I am able to think about it in at new levels. And I think uh, the answer to your question, Brandon, would, would really just be uh, the tension between a convention and a denomination. That's how I would, that's how I would phrase it. So um, there, and those two things are very different. And that's what that's that's how I would distill it down right now. And that's what the committee um, or the group is uh, is really thinking through right now is the, the difference between those two things and what that means and where we've been and where we're going. That sounds like an interview that we need to have in the future. I would say so, because that that is is probably going to be the, the biggest thing for us uh, as a convention to be thinking through. Uh, and again, we're we're still in the research phase. And, and also those terms have not really been defined. And, and I think if you ask um, 10 Southern Baptists, what, what those are, you're, you're going to get a hundred different, uh, definitions mm-hmm. as the old joke goes. And, and so we are trying to, to think and understand that. Now, the good news is, is that we have some of the, the conventions best and brightest, I think like a, a Bart Barber, of course, but then a Nathan Finn, mm-hmm. uh, Trevin Wax and so many others who really just understand, uh, these things and who are historians and, um, constitutionalists and such. And so, uh, we have a really good group uh, who are pr- prayerfully thinking through this, and so we're on a we're on a good trajectory. Good. So you use the word prayerfully right there. Um, that was something I was going to ask you about as we wrap up. What are ways that folks can be praying for the work of the cooperation group? Man, thank you for that. Um, we uh, we really just need discernment. Uh, this is a this is a really big responsibility, and um, and I've shared this before. Uh, in different opportunities I've had to speak about this or write about this. Uh, I think the the main reason why I said yes to this opportunity was because of my kids, um, four of them, a nine, seven, five, and two-year-old. And, and as I was thinking about uh, this moment that we're in as a convention, I thought, you know, we, we not only inherited, you know, I'm 40, so I inherited this, this convention and now I'm serving it, but I'm also passing it along to them. And uh, and we want to be good stewards of it, and 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 uh, and pass something along to them that's strong and healthy. And this group is uh, our job is is going to uh, to impact how what kind of convention they inherit the next generation. So I think just pray that we would have godly wisdom and discernment 
um, that we would that the Lord would give us margin in our busy lives uh, to really thoroughly read through all the documents that we have and and think about them. I mean, we're we're talking about a group that are full time pastors, um, full time professors. Some of them both a full time professor and an adjunct, and um, it, it, and and just there's there's a lot of responsibilities on on all of our plates. And, uh, and so that's just the way life works for all of us. And so we just need that margin. We need that, that discernment and we need God's favor. It's good. Good. Anything else that you want to add? No, just thank you for all the, uh, all of the encouragement we've received from the convention. It's, um, as I've said, I mean, it's, it's the people and uh, I'm, I've seen that again, uh, how, how wonderful it is to know and work with people across uh, across our uh, our country and and so I just continue to to appreciate uh, this collection of of churches known as the Southern Baptist Convention. So, Laura, that's that's helpful information, and then also some uh, prayer points, some ways that that we can join together and continue to pray for those folks who are serving us as Southern Baptist um, on that cooperation group. So, thank you, yeah. Jared Wellman, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our history moment. You're pretty excited about this one, I think. I so, am. Yeah. I am. So just launch right into it. <laughs> so this week in 1994, okay. Miss America, Heather Whitestone, visited her home church, Green Valley Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. Uh, this is about a month after she had been crowned Miss America. Okay. Now, back in these days, I was a huge Miss America fan. I watched okay. it every year. I would like take notes on the contestants and which ones had the best talent, which ones wow. had the best evening gown and all the interview and all that. So I remember Heather Whitestone and she was the first deaf Miss America. And so those of you that may not remember her name, you may remember that this, the Miss America who was deaf. Yeah. And yet, even though she was deaf for her talent, she performed a ballet routine to Sandy Patty's Via Dolorosa, and it's extremely powerful. She couldn't mm. hear the music, and yet she danced beautifully. You can watch it on YouTube, and mm. so you should go do that if you haven't mm. ever seen it. It's great. I wonder how she did um, that. I don't know. Yeah, I need to go read read up more about that because it's yeah. fascinating. I guess mm. she just knew when the music started, and she had worked her, her routine up enough that she knew yeah. exactly what to do. Okay. So in October 1994, she went back to Green Valley Baptist Church and addressed her church family with the help of an interpreter. Mm. She had been very involved in the deaf ministry at the church's south campus. Mm -hmm. And she told them that nightly Bible reading and prayer were necessary parts of her life and had kind of helped her through the past few weeks of yeah. all that she had been going through. Mm. And she talked about her role model, who was Helen Keller, who mm -hmm. is a fellow Alabamian. Mm -hmm. And she said, deafness can't stop her. Only a bad attitude could stop her. That's what she told her church. Now, Heather Whitestone, this is not in the BP story that I found from 1994, but I uh, looked up a little bit more about her. Some of this I knew. Yeah. She went on to write four books. She was a congressional aide to the Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, wow. back in the 90s. She also spoke at the 1996 and the 2000 Republican National Conventions, and she was appointed by George W. Bush to serve on the National Council on Disability. Hmm. So she went on to do a lot of cool stuff. Absolutely. And a Southern Baptist from Alabama. Very cool. Very encouraging. Very good. Well, uh, Laura, uh, we are headed into the World Series here as as October flows into November. Um, who who's your team for the World Series? Well, I married a Texan, mm. which I think legally requires me to cheer for the Rangers. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. That's okay. what we're doing in this household. <laughs> okay. Well, I saw the um, 
So I had the opportunity to see the Diamondbacks beat the Braves in Atlanta. I was oh, not cheering for the Diamondbacks. That's a bummer. It yeah, was a bummer. But the game, it was like 16 to 14. And um, oh, wow. So there were lots of home runs, lots of stolen bases. So so it's been fun to see the Diamondbacks, the kind of baseball they play. They played it in this series with the Phillies and put them out. And um, uh, that that made me happy. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um I know how you so, feel about the Phillies too. So, yeah. so maybe <laughs> I might be cheering for the D backs just because they put the Phillies out. So, okay. Anyway. Well, we don't have to talk about it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I know that there's a certain segment of the audience that I probably just offended, but it's, a, you know, it's probably. just email me. Just email yeah. me. It's all right. You know, well, go so, Rangers. Yeah. Go Rangers. Okay. It'll be well, fun. yeah. It should, should be a good series. Um, we're looking forward. We, we, we're working on a story um, at Baptist Press on Evan Carter who is a Texas Ranger, um, and uh, he's a believer, and uh, we believe he's a Southern Baptist. And so we're we're looking to bring you that story here very soon. And yeah, so I'm be, excited to read that. Yeah. Yep, yep. So thanks so much for listening to SBC this week. It's always a fun to hang out with you, Laura, and uh, share, share news and uh, hopefully encouraging things with folks um, to see how the Lord is at work um, through the ups and downs of the SBC. For sure. Thanks, Brandon. Have fun in Idaho. All right. And uh, thank you all for listening and stay up to date on all things SBC at baptistpress.com. 